0: Hello, you're listening to Film Graves. I'm Emmett. I'm Sam. We are from the rock and roll band Phil Graves. Yes, sir. And we're here once again to talk about cinema. Mm. We're not looking at the work of a director today, you'll be pleased to know. Um, But we are looking at a really kind of crazy phenomenon since we've uh, been welcomed back to the cinemas, There's been quite a few movies that are just... uh, I guess they've been termed observational cinema. Mm. Where, you know, they're high concept documentary films. Here's a film about a cow. Here's a film about a pig and a one-legged chicken. Here's a film about river. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a film about a cave. I was sure this is a thing that had always been going on. But apparently not, man. Apparently nothing like that if you think about something like there's obviously always been nature documentaries you watch gunda by uh, victor kosakovsky on iplayer right now and it ends up looking like the most uh, just the pangest nature film you've ever seen or whatever it looks unbelievable <laughs> also yeah you can
1: see um cow by andrea arnold on movie at the moment yeah um these are yeah two of the main films we're going to be talking about And you can see
0: footage of any animal you like on YouTube.com as well.
1: Sure. I mean, I think the main characterizing feature or the unifying feature of these two films, which have very different aesthetic approaches, Mm. is the lack of narration. Absolutely. Um, I'll say straight away, River um, has narration by Willem Dafoe throughout it. Sort of poetic, like, annoying narration. I think it's, like, from a book by, like, a British, like environmental writer fantastic um Robert McFarlane um so it doesn't really compare but again as, as far as like branding goes you know <laughs> I think they fall under the same banner of course, of
0: course. um to weave a thread through the film Grays catalogue um last episode we we're talking about a pitch upon we're it's ethical and you know his work gets compared to stuff like Andy Warhol and James Benning for being oh so difficult so boring like, and then it's like but this is mainstream fare like by comparison or whatever sure the release of cow compared to the release of even something like memoria
1: yeah i mean i think <laughs> the thing about these films then is that they turn their animal subjects into protagonists in a very clear way the extent to which they humanize them mm. through the lens is maybe something we can discuss a little bit like um as you know if they become protagonists and like they are the sort of main character in the story of the film, the narrative, sure. like, you know, they are, like, very accessible even if there's no dialogue, especially because you become accustomed to their language, like, as you hear it. And, like, you know, these animals make, like, fucking emotive sounds. When they're, You know, you can hear when they're, like, in pain. You can hear when they're, like,
0: at play. Of course. I'm, I'm a big fan of silent cinema. Like, <laughs> you know, Charlie Chaplin... Buster Keaton, you know these mm. these sorts of things, and all the other filmmakers that we've talked about on film, Graves from the silent era. And I guess you know that's that's a comparison that you see drawn quite a lot with the work of um, Michelangelo Framartino, a filmmaker who we are also going to talk about on this episode. Who I'm very excited to discuss. Who sort of uh, makes films that, in on paper, sound like they're going to be like these sorts of films, but take it straight to that sort of cosmic dimension.
1: Oh yeah, I see. Our discussion is going to be, like, sort of bridging the gap between our last subject, The Pitch Upon We're aesthetical, and sure. these, like, sort of observational documentaries. Although Andrea Arnold is like, cow is not a documentary. Okay, fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I guess the most... Rowdy sal- Roddy Piper yeah. voice. <laughs> the, the most salient feature of Framantino's uh, work, maybe, is this, like, insane animist through line. He's spoken about how the calabria region of italy where like his films are set Even though know, he's from milan mm. um or well, he grew up in milan his family are from calabria crazy traditions like you transcribed the like 20 minute interview with him on the disc of la quattro vulture 26
0: minutes no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a fantastic interview um, with jonathan romney yeah
1: but and in that he's like oh my grandma used to say like when we were visiting her like if a dog walks past and like looks at you she'll be like that's like somebody's soul, mm. right? And that's something that the, all of these films encourage you to
0: contemplate, I think. Sure, um, sure. You're going to hear that Roger Miller song again. <laughs> yeah. Sure. There's one thing in that interview that where he um, talks about instead of anthropomorphizing the subject, he's talking about zoomorphizing the viewer, right? Great. Um, bringing the camera way down low. Because um, mm. I've read Gunda. Have I read it or did I just think it? compared to like Ozu film because of how like low the camera is to the ground and stuff like that and yeah just sort of taking the viewer to a different place as well or sort of meeting the subject halfway
1: I mean so much of the power of these films comes from like looking into the eye of these animals who aren't like um I read an interview with the cinematographer of cow Mm. like polish GOP um Magda Kowalczyk and um she was saying how like the cows don't, you know, they're inquis- they're naturally inquisitive, and like they interface with the camera in like a different way. Mm-hmm. So like we get so much in cow of like you're staring into the eye of like the beast. There's so right? much
0: cow and cow. Um,
1: yeah, but like the eye of the cow, you know, oh, it man. takes you into the eye of the cow, and it's like,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I mean that. It, it, Cow was the most disturbing one, I think, for mm. me. Well, I mean, um, it has this sort of social
1: realist style, which I think is the yeah. hallmark
0: of it. I've already seen any of it. The music I was, it was disturbing. But... <laughs> um, I'm quite a big fan of her yeah. work. Yeah. Fish Tank is like a charity shop classic, for sure. I think it's the third shot of Cow, is of a birth of one of this cow's many calves. Mm. It's a dairy cow, and like, dairy that's his yeah. like, life,
1: yeah. On, on a farming camp,
0: sorry. And this calf just comes straight out of the womb, just looks straight down the camera or whatever. Like the, the first thing that calf sees in this, in God's green earth is Andrea Arnold and her like uh, Ari Alexa, like shooting her or whatever, you know? And that is like, a... <laughs> I was watching this shit on the bus, right? Cause I'm a mug or whatever, you know? I was like cowering in the corner, like looking at the shit on my on my phone. I was like, Ugh. but um, that, you know, that's a very, you know, I was basically thinking about that for the whole rest of the film, (laughs) you know, that was so penetrating or whatever, like. But the camera is, I
1: guess that's sort of what I was saying, the camera is inscrutable to them. So i will be like looking like at the camera, but Mm -hmm. like, or like looking, looking at the operator, but not at the camera, right? Sure. Because the camera is just like a extension of the operator who is just like someone there being like, oh, you're right, girly, like (laughs) the whole time.
0: Well, I guess we'll never know what they're looking at. <laughs> uh, there's there's a you know a huge cinematic precedent for this, I think one of the films ever and one of the performances ever is the uh you know the Bresson Film at the exact midpoint of his career, I believe. Oh Hazard Balthazar from 1967 starring a donkey called Balthazar. Um there's loads of reviews. I can't it might be Truffaut or someone like that who says that, like, you know, that's the ultimate protagonist for Bresson is a a donkey or whatever because, you know, he tried to develop this sort of new acting technique.
1: It's um, the perfect model, you know? Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. It's the, But, you know, cried a lot looking at that donkey or whatever. But, again, that sort of... That is a film that sort of sounds radical when you talk about it or whatever, but it does certainly feel like a normal film with, like, pretty normal storylines, especially for sort of a mid-60s, like youth film, but again takes on this sort of spiritual dimension that is quite noticeably absent from these two films that we're talking about here, like Cow and Gunda or whatever, they're sort of reflecting more sort of political concerns, ethical concerns in the wake of documentaries like cowspiracy and, you know mm. say like Gunda functions on quite a different level sure. to Cow. Sure. Let's talk about uh, in,
1: yeah. in that um yeah, I feel like we sort of established the parameters of, of cow there. Um, Gunda is... It's shot. about a cow. Gunda is shot... <laughs> no, but it's about the yeah, life cycle no. of a dairy cow. It's shot in this yeah, like very confrontational way, basically. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's always like farmhands like yeah. interfering with the cow. And you're like forced it's being exploited. In Gunda, shot in black and white, crazy high death.
0: 96 FPS. Yeah, that's... It's like Gemini Man or something. That's
1: crazy. And it looks like everything's sort of backlit as well. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, it's a gorgeous film. But in that one, the fact that they're on a farm is like very peripheral for most of it until the end. Mm. Which is still characterised by like absence rather than like confrontation. For sure. When something is taken away, yeah. Oh my god, it's so, <laughs> it's uh, deep. so deep. It's actually deep, um, isn't it? I watched Gunda with um headphones and that was crazy. Because you is, can hear the, big exponents yeah, of this now. You can hear the rumbling in the background. So you're watching these glorious sun-kissed images of piglets and like, you know, the sort of um sorry, the film's actually called Gunda. Yeah. Colon, Mother Pig. Right. Right. So it's all about maternity well the the pig section it also as you said features a one-legged chicken and um like a sort of herd of cows um but yeah the sound design was crazy because you can always hear the farm sort of instruments Mm. of death and like you know in the background rumbling it's like satan tango the sound design right and
0: it's hard not to think about when you're watching it as well like a whole a film that is the first scene of *Satan Tango*—it's like *Satan Tango* pilled, just to. Yeah, Previously on *Film grades. the first scene of *Satan Tango*. Yeah, it's like Satan Tango Features how many? It's thirteen cows. It's the same as the amount of characters in the story. Um, just being let out of the barn, and then the camera just observes them for like seven or eight minutes. Some yeah, of them, I mean like, it's like a. Sh- some of them fight. Some of them try to fight. Like, yeah. and then they just slowly move on. But again, *Gunda* is an interesting one because, like you kind of do get to like bask in it and think it's about the photography and stuff. And then it does sort of ascribe this narrative onto it, but it's not even like from the editing. It's from the, it's from the the images and the moments themselves. Right. It does feel like if that was at the start of the film, it would still feel like just as harrowing sure. or whatever, but it's like, There is a big level of artifice there as well, especially because
1: it's shot in three different countries, three different farms, (laughs) Um, but there is this sense of unity and sort of universalism and what it's trying to communicate. You love to think about
0: the the spin-off film of Gunda and the chicken going off and what adventures they get into, you know. There was big chicken run energy in the middle of this film, actually. (laughs) Sure, chicken hop.
1: Just on, um, sorry, I felt like I didn't really jump in on the breasts on shit as well. (laughs) there are other sort of like beasts of burden films that I think it's worth talking about, especially as they reflect like different types of relationship with the animal, right? Sure. So I was thinking like, you know, there's another film called Cow by an Iranian director. Oh, the film. cow.
0: That yeah. was amazing. I forgot um, about that.
1: So that's um, Darish <sighs> Majuri, uh, 1969. Oh, yeah. And that's about like a guy that's like, you know, in a little Iranian village looking yeah. after his cow. Again, beautifully shot in black and white.
0: Oh, I love that,
1: man. And then like, you know, Something bad happens to the cow, and like he's you know dreaded out. Like, um, also, Churin Horse, which like starts off with like the super confrontational, yeah, ex- experience of the horse. Like, you're watching the horse like being whipped and like gunning it down like a country lane for like eight minutes with like the cello loop <laughs> that's like the most dread music you can imagine. Um, and then you know, the rest of the film <laughs> reflects the the cheering Horse, the like human like existence
0: that's it you know i I wanted to watch this film about a horse and i got to look at these starving people (laughs) (laughs) um, but the premise of turin horse you know bellatar for his last film he's going to make a biopic of the horse that nietzsche saw getting whipped in turin that caused him to have this like mental breakdown or whatever and you know a classic guy to not give you what you want usually in his literary adaptations and stuff he's very faithful this one, he was really going off. I don't know what he was thinking or whatever. He really took took the audience for a ride with that film. He, um, wait, that, um, the Cheering Horse? Or whatever no, else. but
1: who's is there a book?
0: It's part of. It's in the World Goes On. There's like a three page oh, bit in the World Goes World? On by oh, okay. Lesley, Crash and Hawkeye. But um, yeah, I mean, I love the Cheering Horse. It's a piss take though. It's not like it's not like these films we're talking about today where they achieve what they set out to achieve. I'm just <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean they are didactic films though. Mm. One more um, Beast is, of Burden film. This is thing. my, my yeah. Chief problem. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Oh, what's your other Beast of Burden film?
1: Well, I just wanted to reference, like, something that we saw recently at the Sands Film Club. Oh, um Ukraina, uh, like, early Soviet sound film, I think 1933. And then, like, just at the beginning of it, you're, like, watching a cart go along, and then it pulls in, gets tied up in, like, a courtyard, and then the horse is, like...
0: Oh my god! <laughs> it was like it invented that Flintstones bit of the pelican sand sand mixer or whatever is that? Yeah, Ocarina was cool. Um, for I I really like that. I really like that style. Like it reminded me a lot of René Clair, like mm. a new a new La Liberté. Um, yeah, I think. I think it, the, I guess the million or whatever. Um, we saw. Yeah, that was fantastic. In in Pamela Hutchinson's piece in Sight and Sound comparing these two films, because mm. we're always ripping her off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's talking about this John Ford film. It's called The Pride of Kentucky. The, the horse is called Virginia's Future, which is an awesome name for a horse. And um, I guess this is a silent film it's from 1925. So the horse is talking on the intertitles and she says, like, oh, it's given the same power as the humans because they all have the intertitles or whatever. But I don't think you can really get away with that in the sound era. You know you know what I want. I want them to bring silent film back properly. Not like this where you've got to listen to Cali Uchis and... Uh, (laughs) let's
1: talk about the sound in cow then um they have this sort of framing device for introducing like
0: sort of pseudo diegetic music where it'll be like you're now listening to radio one pseudo diegetic is exactly the word andrea arnold clearly cares about like soundtracks and stuff like that um most of her films have quite elaborate soundtracks i basically remember nothing about american honey the like three hour sort of like teen american teen road movie she made about five years ago but what i do remember is hearing like McConan on the soundtrack and stuff like that and being like, oh wow, like I've never seen a film that's like, you know, pressing that hard for like trying to play these sorts of tunes in the cinema. Now I mean now it's quite ubiquitous, right? I think even in like I assume some sort of Marvel film, you probably hear like you could hear like a future song or something. Like. Yeah, sure. But in American Honey at least it was quite like fresh. The film was ass though. <laughs> but um in this film you got fucking Billy Eilish, like Mabel, like uh Kelsey Lou. You got fairy tale in New York, like you got the you know bangers. I guess that there's a point. It's quite purposeful in that it's all female artists on the soundtrack. It ends with Milk by Garbage, which I would say is a little on the nose personally, but maybe <laughs> I, I guess that's okay. You forewarned me about the use of Skinny Love on it and said it was very
1: egregious, but I thought you meant it was like on the credits over it and like. You know, it's no. just like mixed in in the same way all of these are, which yeah, was, is a bit on. The it nose was commissioned still.
0: for the film, so yeah. And all the other tunes you're sort of led to believe are just like, oh, what they're listening to, like at work on the radio, or what they're making the cows listen to. And then you got you got to listen to this hella Morkish John Lewis ad ass cover of one of the <laughs> most like played to death songs of our time, which I guess you know maybe if you want to if you want to be the cow. Then it's like, oh, God, I have to listen to this fucking shit again. Or like, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it felt so deliberate that, you know, in this is a documentary. It's like a sort of constructed documentary, but where she's like commissioning tunes for the soundtrack and then playing them to the cow <laughs> as, and treating it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I care too much about this shit. Maybe it's just broken my brain <laughs> too much.
1: Yeah. I mean, just compared to Gunda, then where it's like, you know. The absence of any sort of soundtrack at all is very clear, and like you know, it doesn't rely on the sort of manipulative mm. function of pop music. You
0: know? Yeah, which is Whereas manipulative no like, matter yeah. who it's being played to. Yeah. Well, but then is there anything more manipulative than the call of the farmer from Il Buco, calling to his co- <laughs> calling to his goats or whatever? You know. He's he's doing Say the same it. shit so good I can't wait I think the the Fran Martino stuff is the yeah I mean I'm looking forward to
1: talking <laughs> about it <laughs> Um, I would say I was like not looking forward to watching these two films yeah, necessarily yeah, exactly. because
0: that's okay I
1: knew what they were going to do I knew it was going to be deep you know yeah. and they are films that challenge you to and you know I eat meat I consume dairy products and I know that's
0: dread, you know? I'm going to say exactly what you just said. My name's Emmett. I eat meat. I eat dairy products and I know that's dread. And it does give me a, you know. It's
1: the like double thing though of like the, I know that's dread and it's like still doing it. This, I knew these films would make me feel like a piece of shit and they did, you know? Yeah. And that is like what they were designed to do as well.
0: I applaud them more than um, <laughs> the Attenborough stuff. Mm. Where they're aimed at everyone, they're just for your pleasure and your interest and your enrichment. But there's such an agenda to it where, like, they won't let this man on TV for 20 minutes without talking about, like, how overpopulated the world is. And this was sort of my issue with River as well, right? Which had that man's a eugenicist, like, he'd go into all these conferences every year or whatever, you know, crazy old man. Sorry, I'm (laughs) itching. Um, River was saying um, the same thing,
1: let's talk about River. It sort of felt like that a little bit, like, lots of like we have done this to the world and then like showing like really like drone shots of like down river communities bp and, presents like, yeah river, <laughs> yeah i mean it had like a simple environmental
0: message but like yeah. no like solutions and just like sort of fetishized the sure it was river but... closer to gunda and it was sort of more about the, the technology or well, not to say that gunda was about the technology but like is it just you're looking at, like, it's the sort of thing that they could show at the IMAX or whatever, just for, like, people to nourish their eyes? It whatever. felt very much like that. With like, candy. a very
1: gentle environmental message of, yeah. like, oh, we need to, like, look after our rivers
0: and, like, yeah. Sure. That's such a huge... Yeah. But yeah. It's like, who are we? Because, <laughs> like, Cow, <laughs> Cow, probably the most hideous film I've seen this year, you know, for which I applaud, for which I applaud it. Like That was its intention, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about this... Uh, Georges Franju, the guy who made uh, Eyes Without a Face mm, yeah. I was recommended this, this documentary he made um, Le Song de Bet which is actually pretty old uh, <laughs> as in it feels like a bit like Goddard's Rolling Stones film where he's like got the Rolling Stones recording Sympathy for the Devil in half the film and then the other half is like Black Panthers and like riots on the streets and it's like very dialectical filmmaking made to like make one point to you very clearly and the Song de Bet is kind of the same where it's like It starts out, it's a documentary about, like, it's kind of like people on Sunday or something. It's, like, Parisians, like, meeting up, looking at architecture, going to, you know, going to a restaurant, and then, like, the other half of the film is, like, totally grisly abattoir footage with, like, I mean, it's, like, obscene, like, pornographic or whatever. It's, like, absolutely horrendous. I'm very, you know... It was a horrible watch, but that was made in, like, the late 40s or something like that, and it's, like, very, very confrontational and presumably was screened. And it's funny to think that, like, Oh, it also has like super ironic, you know, ironic like banal narration and like uses that song La Mer, like Beyond the Sea or whatever. You know, it's this sort of thing. Like that Eisenstein stuff that Pantach also brings yeah. up. Yeah. Would you compare it to like
1: other essay films from the period I guess um, it's that, yeah, not it that. Me, like, it's really Night early and Fog actually. or something like that? Yeah. Or like, I guess I'm thinking more like if, yeah, well I was gonna say Anna Renee's stuff yeah. or like this And then all... like Alexander Kluge. That's why I'm saying yeah. like it This is really early though. But I guess
0: the the thread it has with Eyes Without a Face, the only other Fronju film I've seen, Mm. is that that has like the 10 minute operation sequence, right? Which is like absolutely horrendous. Yeah. And it's funny that they're making, you know, 70 years down the line, they're making films that are trying to teach you the same lesson, but are like, (laughs) you know, that's like... Yeah. I don't want, I'm not like a moralist in terms of like how you view films or whatever. I'm not like Hanukkah... Straight up. But, like, it is just funny to me that, like, the pleasure of cinema is totally at the forefront as opposed to the... Well, I guess it's not because Cow is, like, I guess the other half of the Fronju stuff.
1: I, I should have watched the Fronju film, but I... At nah, that that it's too peak. It's like a snuff like, film or something, yeah. like a Mondo
0: film. It's, like, really horrible, like, <laughs> faces of death or something like that. Like.
1: I guess if you think about, like, the... You know, progress in you know patterns of consumption from the 40s to the present. Mm-hmm. At least we can say that things are getting better. You can't get a steak tartare Everyone's, tartar e- anywhere, everyone's right? eating
0: less meat, you know. Yeah. There's a. Uh, 10% of know. the world is vegan or something now. <laughs> is, that, is that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah I mean, we do. So, yeah. It's not like in the, but, I mean, in, in the medieval not, I times, it was like sarcastic. 99% of the world is vegan or something. Like yeah.
1: That. <laughs> <laughs> it's dread that people still need to make films with this sure. message.
0: Sure. Hard agree. wish for reincarnation, reincarnation. Wouldn't it be a sensation to come back to like reincarnation? power's tree, you was flower. What would we do And we wait for the power of reincarnation? Re-incarnation. Wouldn't it be a sensation to come back to like reincarnation? Gunder and cow they set out to do what they did and they did it well and they both reminded me or the reason why i wanted to do this episode is they both reminded me of a film i saw 12 years ago uh on the recommendation of one mark kermode who is doing his final show on five live this week salute Uh, he's definitely a important figure simon mayo is the more jokes one though i think
1: yeah, I was going to ask you what do you
0: what do you think Simon Mayo thought of the Quad Travolta? <laughs> I think he'd be more up for it now because it's just classic, right? It's this, you know, uh, th- he's talking about this film about like g- literally just watching goats um, and how it's about Pythagoras and reincarnation and stuff. You know, oh, no one's going to want to watch that or whatever. I did, and I thought it was amazing, and I really enjoyed revisiting it with you. And it just so it turns out that. Michelangelo Framartino has a new film coming out this summer, his first since The Catra Volte from 2010. It's called Il buco and it's coming out very soon via New Wave Films. You can catch it definitely at My Cinema. Yeah, I'm going to push to have it no doubt well. Unbelievable um, film that one. Il buco is great because it's like a, a proper like boomer pound film about how like great <laughs> the 60s were and like the greatest generation or whatever.
1: Uh, <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get we should talk about La Cottura first because I've the first time I saw it was, yeah, with you re- in mm-hmm. preparation for this. You picked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've in find. A, in a local Oxfam. Unbelievable film. You've said it has this sort of Pythagorean
0: framework. Yeah, I, I don't understand this shit. Well, it's this theory and that... What like, does MF Doom say about animal, vegetable, mineral, <laughs> <laughs> spiritual... <laughs> and...
1: No, but this is what the structure of the film is, <laughs> yeah. right? It's in four parts. It starts with this old goat herd um, in Calabria as I think I was saying earlier. yeah. And then we spend time with his goats, and then we spend time with a tree, and then we spend time with some charcoal, and we're encouraged to think about the sort of spiritual relationship between these things. The theory being that the sort of transmutation of the soul across these human, animal,
0: plant, mineral. Um, I'm
1: not sure what was meant to happen to it after that.
0: <laughs> well, you see the charcoal bit at the start as well. You see them like... Getting, I think they're making the incense for the church or whatever mm. obviously the church is not far, much like how in oh has Our Balthazar is a film about the life of Jesus and you know the these youths are like very close to spirituality by being sort of you know liberated and you know uh living life on the edge or whatever It's the same thing with this old man this man is addicted to church dust um the dust that is swept up from. Uh, you know, at the end of Mass and the church in his village. He and makes a little tincture he, out of it. He gets it in a little fucking lottery rap, for like, you know, he's getting half a G of speed. She does a crazy <laughs> rap, man.
1: She just, like, <laughs> folds it like um, like a roll. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, You don't even
1: see her tuck the edges. It's like, whoa.
0: They're, anyway, built, they're built different and collaborative. He gets
1: enough to make his special potion. And it works out really well for him. Until... He dies like a quarter of the way from the film. to oh, crazy...
0: I was going to applaud you for being the most spoiler-free you've ever been on film Grays before.
1: No, no come oh, on, man.
0: Yeah. It's the premise if of the film. This is
1: a crazy transition shot, like a breathtaking moment where, you know...
0: You've never seen the... a cut
1: like this before, like... It's full of astonishing shots. There more to talk about one centrepiece that we're going to talk about at length. Anyway, here... The stone of his tomb, From with, we see it from within the tomb, the light going as the stone is like rolled across. So we're, it's a black screen. And then it's like a hard cut to like a goat being
0: born. Unbelievable. Just jaw-dropping stuff. Yeah. What cinema was made for, <laughs> you know. Not even butters, like, because you're just so wowed by what this, when you clock what this dude is trying to do. It's insane. This film also is like... A lot of people talk about it as a comedy film, right? Largely for this like mad staged centerpiece. I mean, it's not the only one, you know. I mean, you talk about staged, you know, there's classic quotes about like, oh, you should never work with like children or animals or whatever, like, Fran Martino makes films, this film with like a few people and, you know, quite significantly more animals. There's this one shot, which has been very lauded, um, this sort of pendulous shot where the camera's up on a hill It sees this, like, group of Roman soldiers pull up, some of them in a car. They part their van, and they go up to participate in this pageant, go up the hill through the gate. They come back down, and there's, like, a pen of goats in. Yeah, he's laughing already, because he knows it's like, oh, I hope nothing happens to this this million-pound vase or whatever. Then they have this, like, epic procession. I guess it's like, you know, there's loads of processions in the film, and, like... There's, like, three different, like, religious festivals or whatever. It's so
1: crazy how, how that... It's, like, proper, like, strobe mode. Because it's, like, very, like, eruptive as well. Sure. The place is, like, already looks... Has, like, an antique quality. Mm. But, like, we see, like, cars and, like, semi-modern infrastructure in place. And then, like, when the Romans come for this, like, procession to cavalry, yeah. Which then, yeah, the whole thing is this, like, choreographed, like... It has, like, four pans. Yeah. Back from, like, the pen to like the distance down the road where in like the last shot showing that angle we'd see like a sort of the mill and the cross or whatever. Like it's fucking crazy. right? It's
0: also worth saying this is the third time you see this shot as well because he like foreshadows it twice where you're just looking at the goats and the pen. (laughs) He's coming back to it. Anyway, they march through as I'm sure they do every year and this fucking dog comes along and like I don't even know what it does. It like takes the handbrake off the van or wherever the stationary van. Like a brick gets knocked out of from <laughs> behind his back wheel, I think. Oh, right, because was using the brick to prop it up. Anyway, the car comes hurtling down slowly, falls into the gate. The goats all get out of the paddock and they all walk around the town and take the place of the humans. One of them goes to stand on a table, right? And you talk about awesome feats of direction. You talk about Peter Jackson or D.W. Griffith or something like this. This guy's doing that with a, like just animals, like you know. There must have been so and it shot on film as well. Like, there must have been so much waiting around for these animals to do what they're supposed to do, you know. Hundred percent, man. The dog it's won this true. award that is given out every year at, at Can the Palm Dog, um, <laughs> because sure, it's an amazing. It, it does an amazing thing, a, a jaw-dropping thing in this film. Mm. There's none of that in Gunda or Cow, but it also doesn't have any dialogue.
1: Yeah, apart from sort of background hollering and like um you know it I has think a dialogue. Like, there's with like nature. a prayer at one point okay, or something sure. but you know that's almost like the sound of birds or something or the sound the goat makes wow. right yeah especially in how he represents ritual as well in his film is just like part of like the process of
0: life right he talks about how you see at one point in the film extremely cinematic stuff i'm talking about here <laughs> you see an ant just crawl across this man's face mm. and then later on they have this ceremony with this tree where they raise this tree over the town and you see a man climbing up the top of the tree and he's no bigger than that ant that you saw on the man's face you know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah he's it's like, a bit um we've bit seen like robert hunter yeah. garcia like whoa man but... no but he says
1: <laughs> oh like the landscape plays a big role in the film in that close-up of the the old shepherd mm. whose face is like wrinkly and like craggy. That becomes like the landscape and the ant becomes anthropomorphized. And then in the other shot, the man becomes insect like as he goes up like the right.
0: the, the tree. I guess is this is a thing about zoomorphizing the viewer. Yeah, or, sure. Or, or yeah. the humans. Or just showing it as like mute that dichotomy is like
1: mutable. Oh, sorry, the, also the goat thing reminds me of this crazy um during the first lockdown, I think, somewhere in Wales, mm. um, these goats came down from the mountains and just like started like walking around town and so they're sick. still they're still there. So like, sick. they just occupied the town now. Um, we love to see it. And it looked like you can watch clips of this on, you know, BBC News or YouTube or whatever. Yeah, it
0: literally looks like shots out of the control. Or you can pay to watch it in the cinema and get more <laughs> out of it with your time and not feel like you're wasting your time. Uh, no, I don't know. I because I guess that's the thing with the the other films we were talking about, where it's like, I'm so curious as to why these films and like the Truffle Hunters is like, I mean, it's not big, it's not Spider Man, although Spider Man again, what are you doing? You're watching a anthropomorphized, zoomorphized uh, protagonist, you know? That, oh, uh, oh my God, I saw Batman. I have no appetite to talk about it. Um, sorry, the Batman. Sorry, saw the Batman. <laughs> how come he gets the definite article and gunda well i guess she gets the yeah whatever <laughs> stupid i'm I'm just interested as to why this is entertainment whereas like when catch volta came out it's like purely in the sort of like v- he's haps that he got the screening at the ica or whatever and i imagine il Buco is going to have a sort of similar treatment whereas like it actually does a lot more to like yeah investigate this sort of plane and like level it and put humans on the same level as animals and stuff like that. Whereas these, like, cow especially is so human, so made by human or whatever, and so, like, talking to humans by humans for humans.
1: Mm. I I think of these Fran Martino films as, like, characterized by an ironic distance. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we were talking about the humor in them earlier, and, like, that is... I think that's part of it it's observational in a different way sure like um use the word cosmic as well yeah it shows that you can Um, get to that (laughs)
0: profundity with humor as much as you can through like tragedy or whatever yeah i mean it also has that Did I talk about the baby goat getting separated from his clan i mean that was the most harrowing like that was the shit that really got me the most of all the sort of harrowing material i've had to watch this week even more than balthazar getting his tail burnt or whatever Balthazar has a good moment where you see the donkey like looking at the people when he's working in a circus or whatever and it like totally flips the script, right? Right. It's an amazing moment. Closer again to what Fran Martino does. I guess the sort of like mouse trap, you know the board game mouse trap or something like that sort of like nature of it is what sort of brings Tati about. He talks about Tati in a really interesting way. I watched Mononcore recently like for this podcast and I forgot that like half of that film is just dogs you just watching dogs. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like there's a gang of dogs who don't do a bunch of dog shit. More jokes than anything the dogs in the Wes Anderson film do. And they're real dogs, you know, they're just running around. He talks about, you know, again, Tati explores this sort of thing where like he says a baby gets turned into a parcel and a and they'd swap or like a tire gets turned into a, a wreath of roses and stuff like that. Now, just picking up this thread of filmmaking that hasn't been picked up something i appreciate him for especially mm. making films about calabria about the place that he loves so much and making it the subject of a film that is trying to do the grand stuff that i was talking about memoria last last time for or whatever. or yeah they're so comparable but also
1: <laughs> like it is in the same way that memoria like is outside of joe's like sort of geograph main sort of geographical locus mm. this is Whilst this is like still set in Calabria, like his like spiritual homeland or whatever, it's um, all about this like universal shit, you know? Of course, like, yeah, and well, according to
0: Pythagoras,
1: <laughs> should we talk about? He hasn't been proven uh, wrong yet. Has he? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. uh, <laughs> I
0: guess also so, like Gunda, like the town is actually three different towns synthesised, which is something the only Italian or like Calabrese viewers have like noticed or whatever. Is that he's actually, yeah, drawing together. Um, I didn't know different shooting yeah, sessions. Yeah, no, of yeah, course, me neither. I'd yeah, be lying if I said yeah. I noticed. that. I mean, we're looking at like red-roofed
1: buildings in like dramatic sort of mountainous valleys. Yeah, you're looking at you like, like, damn, um... Italy's
0: old as hell, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it looks, it looks hell. Is the heck. hell is why Il Buco is such a crazy filmmaking feat, right? Because the cave is where. The cave is supposedly located in like the Aeneid and stuff like that, and, like the entrance to—is that right? The underworld. Yep. <laughs> what the fuck? When did you read that? That's just a thing. That's just a, a known thing. That like the entrance to you know, because like obviously Sicily is bare volcanic and stuff like that, and you know, yeah. His subsequent film Il Buco. Mm. If okay. you want to move on to
1: yeah, I oh, no, yeah, I'm happy to. We'll
0: still make yeah. reference to La volta Again, such an impressive feat of filmmaking. I'm so excited to see it again in Yeah, like I mean, look, if River can get,
1: like, numerous screenings yeah. in cinemas, I see no reason why this cannot. But it just comes
0: down to, like, again, what... Superlative film, you know. What shit is like these days where it's like, this River is a film where, like, you know exactly what it's going to tell you going in. Like, oh, River's are beautiful. And it's got a slight environmental bent. You have no idea what you're in for when you're going to see Il Bucco or whatever. You're going to see a film about the exploration of the third deepest cave in the world in 1968. 68? 61? Mm, I feel like it's one. 61. Kennedy's on the front cover of Time magazine. That's is this a,
1: like some Italian magazine? It's
0: like... Uh, yeah, Tempo magazine. Or something. It, oh, yeah, it is Time. It's like <laughs> Epoca or something. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Okay, <laughs> All right. Um,
0: but his face is like burnt, right? It's so good, isn't it? It's so good. The film opens with like this societa uh, speliogica sitting in this bar which he realizes is outdoors only in the second half of the film um, watching this TV broadcast. It's such a great joke of um oh, it's a, a video of like people on a sort of uh, window washing platform scaling the tallest skyscraper in Rome or whatever. And they're all like, wow. <laughs> like, and you're just watching that I and guess. then you spend the rest of the film with the speleologists. Going into, <laughs> um, yeah. going into the deepest cave. A, a feat of filmmaking that is probably even more impressive than what then people did in the 60s at the time. Because, I mean, getting these cameras in and stuff, i I It boggles my mind. Yeah. Um, you refer to it as,
1: just on the aesthetic level of what it achieves, like when you're in the cave, you compared it to the Wildcat, the Lubitsch film, the, you know... It's shapes we, and frames you've never, never seen or before. Like yeah. like, yeah, I mean, Definitely. just like the natural vignetting of the... The caves is crazy. Uh, the the use of fire here is mad, you the know. And there's crazy. obviously this like sort of Prometheus you know. If the <laughs> other one is Pythagoras, this is Prometheus, especially because like you know, it's about like Plato. mapping mapping the cave, <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: yeah, or so failing to map the cave. I don't know. When you've seen it, you can chat to me about this, but I don't believe yeah. they map the cave. Right? I think that dude fucked up, made a mistake, and just covered his ass and it's like, oh yeah, that's- it ends here. That's my theory. But I'm you know. Pension pilled or whatever. I
1: mean, okay, I wanted to say this film reminded me a lot of Mason and Dixon. Yeah, definitely. Which is sort of about the melancholy of Discovery. Sure. And, like, the sort of finitude of Discovery.
0: Yeah. No more oh. worlds to conquer. No more yeah. caves to explore oh. or whatever. These
1: shots where you're, like, looking at the fucking firmament out from the abyss, and then you're looking from the firmament down into the abyss, like... This is like is what get watching his this? films is. Yeah. It's like the perfect analogy, I think, because oh, this know. shot's where it's like they're kicking the ball over the mouth of the cave and you're like looking up like, oh,
0: it's insane. Dude, I, <laughs> fuck a pitch pong. This is the my, <laughs> like, it's never going to get more profound than this. I adore these movies. It's also, it's worth mentioning that Ilbuko also operates on the premise of you're also watching a hermit with some goats up on the hill mm. observing the uh, the expedition from like about a mile away and you're seeing you know everyone loading up their tents and bringing their equipment into the tent from the perspective of the goat herd' he's, he's not a goat herd he's just an old man, but he does he has a goat he's a cowboy, I think he's a cowboy yeah <laughs> yeah. <Yeehaw. laughs> <laughs> Um, there are a lot there's a lot of cow action in this film but yeah this man is dying Um, I guess this man would have been of the generation of the people being portrayed in this fictitious procedural film it made me think of like Le Commune or something like that as a sort of in terms of how or like Ford or someone like that in terms of how they would sort of it's like LARPing like recreational cinema as opposed to the
1: the fact that it's a period film as well when we started watching it and then it comes you know it's like when it becomes clear that it's set in the early 60s I was like Whoa, okay but then again again the timelessness of the images
0: permits that totally it gives you the credit like the information at the end before the credits and stuff like that otherwise you're just looking at the the images again you're you, on the screen you can see like individual veins like a heartbeat has like the biggest impact out of anything you could see like mm. anything i saw at that screening conference like you know. oh, i can't wait to watch it on the big screen man
1: I just want to say about how he has like clouds move over the landscape as well. I've never
0: seen anything like this. Clouds have such a dramatic impact on lighting, man. Well, and it's something that all cinematographers want to ignore. I'm reading this book, Masters of Light, right now. Everyone hates clouds. He loves them
1: (laughs) uh, because they're
0: another sort of imposition, especially (laughs) it's like off screen as well. Yeah. I'm just going to get all the bingo card ones out of there it is like out one and having that <laughs> the pleasure of that spontaneity before before the camera especially if someone who only it takes 12 years to make a film and clearly revels in the spontaneity mm. of that and it's about you know science and man's willpower yeah. <laughs> and it's also about like all of time and like everything that's gone mm.
1: <sighs> it's great i mean i can't wait for people to watch it you spoke about john ford earlier you know, we get some crazy sunsets as well. Like, literally, she wore
0: a ribbon. Mm, um, it does have that like, that colour that you I haven't seen since yeah, watching yeah. that film. Um, and he got it.
1: Yeah. Also, the sort of brooding stuff in there will be blood before it becomes more sort of, um, you know,
0: dialogue. When you're watching whatever. people go into the earth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. Go on, guys. Nothing yeah. bad's going to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> the Descent. <laughs> See, that right, year. yeah, I've seen that shit. Yeah. Scary as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a fantastic cow moment in il buco my favorite cow moment that i've seen what what that? in in any of these films which is where you see a drawing of like the notes from the speleological society and yeah they, they have a drawing of a cow that's been like trapped in the cave because obviously it went too far into the cave or whatever i imagine when you're watching the, these cows looking at the, th- the people going in. They're like, oh, they're never gonna, they're not gonna get far or whatever. Then, um, then there's a drawing in a tent. Then, while all the uh expeditioners are in the tent overnight, you see all the cows come into the encampment, yeah, right, yeah, walking yeah, among yeah, the yeah. tents, like nudging that shit. You know, you know what yeah. animals do. And then they fucking take the drawing back. Yeah, their <laughs> fallen comrade. Yeah. You know, like these kinds of sto- like the fact that he's doing this sort of storytelling stuff in. What feels very close to observational cinema in air quotes. Like, this guy's going absolutely Mm. crazy with it. I can't, can't, you know, more so than any animated films in terms of the storytelling. I I love Sean, I love Sean the Sheep and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you managed to sneak that one in. The Town Called Panic. And these are the craziest stories that I've seen being told with animals, you know. And again, with the light play, like, (sighs) <sighs> the the editing in this film just knocks your head off like mm. especially when you're seeing like light get the frame get darker and darker and darker as you're looking at an image and then there's a cut mm. and it's like whoosh, does the opposite of what like the start of memorial i salute michelangelo Framartino, he killed it
1: yeah i there's one film he made before yeah. Um, I mean his background as an architect and like a video installation guy again like literally the same as um, a pitch pong mm. but this is a perfect filmography as far as I can <laughs> if see if he makes his next film
0: like, with Tilda Swinton we're going to be oh, so boy. shook man <laughs>
1: don't say that shit man Um. one more film I want to really quickly talk about before we wrap this one mm. up then and again like very a pitch pong mode Framartino mode, just thinking about transmutation, transmogrification. <laughs> um, the Metamorphosis of Birds, a sort of essay film, family history film, narration all the way through it. These, like, imagined letters between the filmmaker's grandparents. Um, it's a film about, like, grief and loss and all that. Um, but full of remarkable images, shot on 16mm, full of mirrors, circular mirrors and like little trick shots reckons with like sort of port the portuguese legacy of colonialism as well as well as like the sort of family history of the filmmaker um so i'm going to butcher the name because portuguese is hard but uh Katerina, uh vascon i'm gonna say um that's fine to me <laughs> yeah yeah very limited release i'm glad i saw it in cinema because i never really catch this sort of stuff like on release but i thought uh it was very moving. Feels and, good being one of the only people. very interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's really like a new wave release fantastic. as well. Oh, actually. is it? Okay. Salute. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to those guys. Mm. Um, I think, uh, yeah, so hopefully people get to watch that at some point.
0: It just sounds like this is the flavour of the the time. Like, if you've got an idea for a film that involves a, you know... I, th- I think the cricket is the most cinematic animal, personally. The... So. <laughs> The most uh, heard and not seen. <laughs> so I'd love to see a film about a cricket. Uh, if, you can, if you can tag one and make sure that you get the cricket. Or beat the Bee Movie by Seinfeld. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh this God. is, you know, I want more. We've only skimmed the surface of how good paying £15 pounds to watch an animal for an hour and a half can feel.
1: Yeah. Until next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Again, you can watch Gundar on iPlayer and yeah. um, Cow on Movie. Metamorphosis but I reckon um, I mean Little is going to be in UK cinemas in like a couple of weeks month or something yeah next month I think yeah something to look forward to I cannot wait to watch it in the cinema can't wait to see it with you the
0: biggest screen I can see it on so
1: it's probably going to be yours (laughs) (laughs) I watched it twice in two
0: days would have done it a third time really enjoyed this one Sam lots of love dear listener we'll be back very shortly